Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Stephanie Selden Howard is president of Core Issue Productions. She believes empathy is the driving force behind storytelling, something she attributes to her 25-year career as a broadcast news producer. The Omaha, Nebraska native is the recipient of a Los Angeles News Emmy Award coupled with two additional Los Angeles News Emmy nominations. Stephanie is the director, producer, and co-writer of The Weight of Honor, a documentary about military families caring for their catastrophically war-wounded. The film is being seen across the U.S. by a variety of audience, including universities, museums, and conferences. It's been recognized by the Alexandria Film Festival as Best of Fest and received the Audience Award at the San Antonio Film Festival, among other honors. And Carol, Stephanie won the Roy Dean Film Grant for the Weight of Honor. Yes, she did, Claire, and From the Heart is very proud of this film. I I thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us today. You know, Claire and Carol, I'm so thrilled to be here. And, And Carol, let me just say this. Anything I could do to repay how much you've helped us for this film, I want to do it. Oh, how kind of you. It's been such a joy going through all the stages with you. I really love getting to hear all the obstacles you had to overcome, and it was wonderful. So let's share with the audience a brief description of the content of The Weight of Honor, please. Well, The Weight of Honor is actually it's a collection of stories, if you might, of uh, military caregivers, and these are the families that are caring for their um, catastrophically war-wounded who've come back from, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and they have amputations and burns and PTSD and um, traumatic brain injury, and a lot of things that these families weren't prepared for, um, things that really happened overnight. And also there was a lot of touch and go and how that impacted the fact that is our father, son, husband going to make it. So it's we try to tell the story actually through their individual stories. But most of all, and it's not a sad movie, most of all it's, an enlightening movie and also it shows how courageous these families are and it's really uplifting in that way oh that's wonderful an enlightening film we all want to see that um all right so then let's get into a general outline of your outreach program okay outreach um number one i i Mm -hmm. have to preface this what i learned from doing this film is you got to hire a producer Um, And that producer would be able to help you with fundraising and help you with things all along the process that you don't want to think about when you're in the middle of production or you have trouble thinking about it. 
Um, number two, be open to changing that outreach plan. I can promise you, just like when you make your film, that the way you start is not going to be the way you end. But with outreach, it's going to change and change and change as you go along, just as your film might change and change as you go along, because you need to adapt. So um, our, the, at the beginning, when we identified our audiences, and that was something I learned from you, you got to identify the audience. It was not who we discovered is our audience now. Our audience, we never thought that the military or caregivers would be interested in our film because we thought it would be preaching to the choir. But now those are absolutely the people who've been wanting to see the film. Military and caregivers. Military, right? Right. Wow. Uh huh. And they love it because they get to see, uh, everybody gets to see what they're putting up with and uh, the horrors of war and how uh, families change overnight, I guess. Yes, and what we, what we have found is, um, first of all, the caregivers um, really, really identify. And it helps them understand that they're not alone. And, and they see themselves. And, those, and their own stories. But most importantly, we uh, always have a panel after screening of the film. And even if I'm not present, if I'm not part of that package, if you will, when we're screening the film, I always encourage the host to do that because the film doesn't live in a vacuum. It begins a discussion. And people who see it in the audience have many, many, many questions and we deserve uh, to. They deserve for some that we give them some answers. And a panel discussion is always great, and the Q and A is always lively, and it's very, very helpful. What audiences are you finding, and are you focusing on right now in outreach? Well. You know, I have to give a shout-out to Peter Broderick because, um, as you know, through my grant with you, with the Dean Grant, um, he was part of that as an advisor. And he gave me a lot of ideas and a lot of suggestions. And he also has a very a very good newsletter that he puts out, I think, maybe quarterly or twice a year. And any filmmaker should subscri- subscribe to that because it it helps you think and uh, and then you can apply his ideas to what you're doing. That being said, um, what we've done is um, try to focus on some of these caregivers, and then we've gone to universities because we found that veterans resource centers, student resource centers, are really, really interested in showing the film, Um, especially since now they're trying to do a lot to be inclusive of families and caregivers. So we've... um, we're targeting our outreach to universities a great deal. We originally thought it would be communities in general, but this is a more concise way to reach um, for outreach. And when we do that, we also say, okay, is there any, are there any other groups at university that could partner with you, especially if they're paying a fee to screen the film or to bring me out with my travel expenses. And I suggest, why don't you go to the journalism department or health sciences, social work. 
that kind of thing and see if you can find the funding there. We also offer an educational license. So I suggest to the host, I say, would you like to purchase an educational license? It's X amount of money, or you can do, you know, the money that we would charge for one screening. Well, the license turns out to be much more economical. They can have it in their library forever. They can use it however they want as long as it stays on campus and they do not charge admission. So professors can use it in classrooms and they can use it in other activities for the veterans or other schools. So if I sound like a salesperson, I almost need to be because <laughs> I'm passionate about my film and I want as many people as possible to see it. So if you look at a university population, that can be anywhere from a few thousand undergrads to maybe a few thousand you know, graduate students. But we've been at really large universities like the University of Maryland, which is enormous, isn't it? Like, I think, I don't know, Claire, I think except for University of Texas, it might be the largest university. Well, what happens then is that's available to thousands and thousands of, of, of people, and those are eyeballs that we want to get on the film. Our goal, is for, our goal is for people to see the film. Sure, we'd like to, <laughs> we'd like to get, get some money back, and my costs need to be covered if I'm going to get on a plane and travel across the country from California. But what's our goal here? We want as many people as possible to see the movie. Absolutely. The other thing, um, and this comes directly from Peter Broderick, um, is to focus on conferences. So we researched and found, okay, um, National Association of Social Workers uh, would like us to come to their biannual conference that's happening this summer um, because what social workers would see in the film applies to what they're do what they're doing, and in fact that was important to us because that's who some of our resources were. And if you were to see the film, you would see there are a lot of people who are leads in the social work um, world. So we looked for those groups. We looked for health groups. Of course, we're in touch with veterans groups. So. That's how we're doing some of our targeting. And then, you know, I can talk some more about to some of your other questions. I think I keep going off on tangents. I'm sorry. No, no, this is perfect. This, we, we really need all of this information because that's how it works. When I first started my film business, I took one area and I sold to schools, actually. I was selling 16-millimeter film to schools. And as soon as I would make a sale, then I would know that John Bowen, was at the University of Texas, and I would call all the universities around there saying John was buying my film, and I was able to sell to other places. So I guess it's the same thing with you. Once you get a university on board, they know each other, and that would give you more leverage going into the next school by, by saying that you had sold to a prior university. And that's so important. Um and I have to tell you, that has been a big, big step forward for us. Also, the fact that we are in museums, and they are military museums wow. Wow. that 
people visit, whether they're in the military or not. So, um, for example, we're at the um, National Infantry Museum, which is a huge center in South Carolina. From what I've seen, and and I haven't been there, but I've heard, it's a beautiful area, um, and they have one of the the big theaters. They used to be called IMAX, and now they're not. They're called big theaters. Mm -hmm. And they have the film showing periodically there. And that is probably the only place where we don't have a caregiver or a panel talk back because they're showing it, you know, as part of the regular schedule. But think how many people who are not involved with the military are seeing it there. So if I say to, for example, a military group, oh, we're in the National Infantry Museum, their ears perk up. But also we're at places like Syracuse University. That was somewhere where we had a direct connection on a professional level, and also it just worked out. My son is a student there. And um, Texas Tech, which is another huge university, and that was through a personal connection. So if you, and, and I told you about University of Maryland, which partnered with George Washington University. So if you say and talk about some of these schools, then uh-huh. you're right. They all know each other. And also we've changed our website. And and I have a newer webmaster because of the other one had to leave. But we've looked at it and I've said, okay, if someone looks at our website right now, they are probably or often an educator. And we want them to know that we have been to or we and most likely we are in the universities at these schools. And we mm-hmm. probably now have about, it's not in front of me, eight or nine. Oh, great. And then we also say, okay, we're at these museums, or we've screened at these museums. You know, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Museum, the um, Army, or the, what is it, Army National Museum. I'm sorry, I'm not remembering everything. And you know what? It's like you said, it just gives you street cred. It adds clout to your ask, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, just yes. like if you were um, fundraising, what you teach us all the time is, <laughs> am I right? Okay, we have a donation from, or we have so much money from XYZ, and that's going to say to a donor, oh, I'm not first money in. Right. But I really right. respect these people who have come before me, and so it must be a good place for me to donate or invest or, you know, go from there. Right. Yes, it's a found. You've built a good, strong foundation right now, and uh, it's like dominoes. It's the one knows the other knows the other, and going to this convention can be so very good for you. Is that the plan in South Carolina? I mean, or uh, the Sir- what's the convention? The military. It's actually the National Association of Social Workers. Now, Social I actually right. have a call with them later today to talk about what that's going to be. But we also have been invited to two conventions, conferences. We can talk about how that came about, but and that's there's one in March and one in May, and in fact there was going to be another one in Kansas City, and it was getting to be too much. Um, but they will show the film. So what happens is some of the things we're going to look for at a conference, 
include and some of the things they will take a negotiate it will be something we have to negotiate um to show the film at a good time um showing the film on a sunday morning at 10 o'clock you're not going to get as many people your goal is to show the film at one of the main um breakout sessions or at a plenary session if they don't have time for the film, and sometimes their workshops don't, I suggest why don't you show our trailer, which is about four minutes long, and use that as a starting point for a workshop. Have panelists talk about caregiving. Um, I also request that if they're going to be vendors or whatever you might call it with tables in an exhibition area, I I will request one of those. And our goal there is to get interest in the film. So we would, you know, have a laptop there, take names for our mailing list, our email list, get information, get specifics if someone comes up and they say, look, I'd really like to bring this to my community. That's the goal. Try to get more eyes on it and to bring it back to their own communities, to their own schools, to their own hospitals and their staff. And then also something that I think, and this goes to other things, that's really, really important is, well, signage for one, but also every one of these conferences has a program, right? They're going to have a schedule so people know where to go, where to sign up, where to eat breakfast, you know, things like that. And there are going to be ads in there. And I always want to negotiate getting some of that space. Now, those ads can be very, very expensive for placement. And I I won't do it unless I can get it for free. I don't have that kind of money to pay for it. So as part of the, you want to call it deal, package, whatever, I make that request. Can we even get a quarter page? Can we, you know, something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Because they're, and they're going to need, you know, to put us in the schedule where if you're going to have us in the schedule, why don't we have on that page or the one facing it, you know, the graphic for our film and information about it. Good. So, you know, so it's not just a line on a white page. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, let me just say this. I used to work a lot of conventions with my film company. Now, the the way I got the most cards, because you have so many important people that are just hypnotized. You know, there's so much to see and so much to hear, and they're being bombarded, and they're under all the EMFs, so they sort of stroll around like a zombie. So I would put up a big sign and say, that I'm having a drawing. Sometimes I did it daily at a certain time, or I did it uh, on one day only at a certain time, and I gave something really great away, like a uh, one license, gift a license, or gift a, a free screening, and leave us your business card. We're going to draw business cards, and you can come here on this day at this time and watch us with the drawing. And you make a big deal out of it. So what happens is that those people that you want to see that are in the zombie state that would walk on by <laughs> – stop and they say oh something for free i want to do that and they throw their card in and just mumble something or another and move on by and you have uh, a fabulous database when you walk out of there and when you do give 
the gift, maybe you give a free screening, you may be able to upscale, upscale that to the full license so that you do make a little money off of it. I'm in, Carol. I'm in. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I think that you and other filmmakers like you are the most talented people in the world because you are a paralegal, you know contracts, you know insurance. <laughs> it goes on. The list goes on. It's unending. And now you're into the sales side of it. And even going to conventions, I mean, that's hard work, I have to say. It's really hard work. And I'm... I'm actually a shy person, and um, my husband would disagree with me. I'm an introvert. And, um, but, you know, I found I, I don't feel that way when I'm talking about the film because I am passionate about it. And, and I think that makes a big difference. Um, some people say, oh, how can you get in front of a crowd and take Q&A and stuff like that? And I say, well, it's much easier for me to take Q&A because I can answer something specifically. Making a speech is more difficult. And I had to say that this year because I was invited to make a speech. And I, I put it off, put it off. I think I wrote it just 48 hours before the event, you know. <laughs> um, but I've been thinking about it, and it worked. It worked uh-huh. really well. And I got laughs where I wanted to, and you know, applause when I wanted to, and, you know, I think on things like this, and when you are, like you said, do a little upsell, or when you're trying to sort of pitch those screenings or whatever, I always say, in life, period, a little humility goes a long way, and, um, you know, you're a genuine person, you don't, you're not a salesperson, any of us who make films, we're not hardcore salespersons. We're not going to put a foot in the door and say, you have to talk to me. Right. Um, and I think, I think people respond well to you that way, especially when we're talking about an emotional subject and something that people can feel uncomfortable talking about, mm-hmm. but they still feel energized by the film. And Yes energized by it, empowered by it, you said before, and that's that's what we look for. We and besides, you know, we are all connected, Stephanie, and your film touches people's hearts and people feel that connectivity and they feel that you really understand them. They can see themselves on that screen, I'm sure, when they're watching your film. You know, that's interesting because I was just going to bring up um you know, it is a domino effect, and you find your supporters and your partners in unusual, or it's an unusual path, but it may be in a more obvious area that I wouldn't have done a cold call on, say. But um, the Dixon Center for Military and Veterans, for example, um, is a very important group that works with military families, and they're a large nonprofit, and through various channels, um, they saw the film. We got the film to them. And we are working with them. We are partnering with them. And these are maybe hardened colonels, battlefield colonels, and they even said they couldn't watch the film in one go. 
Oh my god. They gosh. needed to kind of stop, take a break, that kind of thing. And um yeah, that was to me, I you know, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I said, "Well, I I I guess we're on track." And then I also said, "And I'm sorry if we upset you." <laughs> you know, I you know, do you say Oh, I'm glad that this forced you to. No, I'm not gonna. So what they have done, and it's just such an honor. They told me there was only one other film they felt they could get behind, other than ours, uh, and that were the second film that they have felt is so important they want to see it as as far as we can go, and they have great connections, and they are you know, involved with so many different military groups. And so they're giving us introductions. We do video chats and come up with lists and brainstorm. And it's been a remarkable experience. And, you know, partners are so important. Yes. I mean, we find that when we're making the film, but really important in outreach really important. Yes, I know that's the, I know that's the key, strategic partners and the the problem is when you're making the film like you said, you're not quite sure who your audience is or who you think it is is not always who it is. Uh and I bet you every time you screen it, when you start talking to people in the audience, they're going to tell you other uh audiences that would like it. I I know it will continue to expand your audience will expand as you the more you screen it don't you think oh absolutely you know we had such an honor i it was so cool um we were in washington dc in november and we had a screening at the national um war college which is for all branches of the government except for army has their own Army Heritage Center, we had already been there. But so you have Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, um, Navy, and then also State Department and uh, FBI. And these students are all there for a year. And their their motto, I think, is um, something, um, something about peace. You know, they're not looking to strategize. Um, war. They're looking to strategize peace. So their campus is has lots of history. And we were in Washington, D.C. with them, and our jaws were dropping the whole time. And we were in a building uh, where they had the screening, just was full of history. And, you know, um, every wing had information for every branch of service. And, you know, um, it was like a small every each wing was like a small museum and the library and you know you look up and it it it's brick and it's the building is strong and it's been there for hundreds of years and so you get a sense of that and one of the things that a little tidbit of information we were being shown in a small theater and they used that for classes for these students who are getting their masters and just before we went in, or they happened to say, you know, um, it's a jackets-only room. Uh-huh. <laughs> you had to wear a suit or sport coat 
just be in that room. And I looked at my husband, Roger, who's my co-producer, and I said, aren't you glad you packed that sport coat? <laughs> because in California we don't. And I had a suit on. But you wow. had this magnificent, magnificent history going on. And to answer your question, because I'm on a tangent again, um, the commandant of the entire war college was there. And it was such an honor that he he was able to make time in his busy schedule. So he was there. He couldn't stay for the Q&A because he needed to give a tour for the Brazilian um, military brass. I'm like, okay. So he saw (laughs) us at a reception outside, and he said goodbye to his visitors, and he was in full-dress uniform. And he came up to me, and we took photographs, um, th- their team wanted photographs, and of course, we're using them on our website. And he said, "I want this scene on Capitol Hill. Oh, good! I want this to go to Capitol Hill." And we have heard that many times. And our response is, "That's wonderful. We want to be there too, but we need to have at least one member of Congress or a committee sponsor us." And that's the challenge. That is the big challenge. Let's let's brainstorm on that when you have a chance to call me. That's not going to be a challenge. That's going to be easier than you think. So let's talk about that because that is exactly what you need, and I think you'll find it's easy to get that person. Okay. Okay. I mean, we had two members of Congress in the film. One is from the Phoenix area and has not really been interested in or just hasn't really shown interest in hosting a screening on Capitol Hill. But his um, team, his local office in Phoenix, is interested in having us come and do a screening in Phoenix where we would partner, they would partner with Arizona State and maybe with some local colleges or some local organizations, and that way it would be a broader group. So we have tried to reach out that way, but you better know I'm going to call you. Can we make an appointment? <laughs> definitely, definitely. We have to find somebody who's running for re-election. What better than Well, you know, the interesting thing, yeah, yeah, we were scheduled at one point. I mean, it was, we thought we were locked in to the point where, the host group was going through the, you know, appetizer list of what they were going to have at the reception. And this was in 2016, and they canceled because, you know, their member was uh, was in the um, House of Representatives, and he had a swing state, and he had to really get in there and campaign, and it was in June, and that's mm-hmm. what happened. So, you know, the... But talking about outreach, you need to get creative. And for some time, I was trying to reach um, that retired member of Congress who is Jim McDermott from the state of Washington. And I finally did, um, because I knew he had been teaching at the University of Washington in Seattle. And I got in touch with that department and with him, and they worked together to bring me in for a screening. And he teaches a graduate class um, on 
public policy, international public policy. And the really the treat for me was it was the day of the screening and I got to sit in on his class. But here's one of the things you do. You look at who is in your film and who maybe didn't make it, but you still interviewed them or they were a resource. And you can go to them and say, okay, we, we'd like to do a screening. Here's, here's some of the places we've been. Can you give me some more suggestions? Or who do yeah. you know? It's always a specific name that you need. Always. Yes. Yes. So, and and this is the way uh, you're really asking for advice, and this is and and people in power love it when you come to them and recognize their power and ask for advice and support, and there you are back again to humility, which is the greatest talent and asset that filmmakers have. And I've seen people win awards because they were humble. I heard my judges one night say, well, I like so-and-so too, but this man is a humble man, and he will get it finished. And darned if he didn't. He won, and he did finish that film, and he still is a humble man. (laughs) Because that seems to be the character that we love the most about filmmakers. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that that was part of the conversation when I received the Dean Grant. (laughs) <laughs> of course Oh they love you They loved you They love the film And uh, we're all so proud of what you've done I mean it's one thing to make a film But then so many people walk away And put it in the hands of someone else And this is this doesn't work anymore In today's world If you really want, want the film to be seen By the where it can make a difference You made a film to change the consciousness and we have to see the film to get the point and to understand what's going on in our world today. And we really thank you for that. And well, I speak for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, and that brings up a couple other points And when we're talking about outreach. As you know, there really isn't an outreach plan. You had asked me that question before, a distribution plan. A lot of that is always changing. What we talked about in your class early, early on when I was first starting on the film, you know that class keeps changing. You know yes. that that information keeps changing. And there, is, there isn't really one model. So at the time that we started, um, what happened was we did sign with a distributor when we were still applying for film festivals. And that distributor um, was not able to get us right away on any of the, you know, on Netflix or Amazon or anything like that. But they put us um, in distribution so people could buy DVDs or stream or whatever. Um, Six months later, they did get a deal with Hulu. So we are on Hulu. But you have to search for us. We're not on their front page if you Uh go and you slide through but we are on Hulu, um, which is great, and we can say that. So, um, and that gives us street cred, too. Um, maybe then people go to Hulu and they don't buy the DVD from, you know, Amazon or Udu or whatever, but, hey, you know what? We're on Hulu. So 
would I do it that way again? I don't know. I think I would wait. I think that um, I would, first of all, concentrate as we did the first year on festivals. But keep in mind, as far as festivals go, we had to learn the hard way. As much as you love your film and you think it's awesome, it's very competitive to go to the big to enter into the big festivals, and it becomes very, very, very expensive. We did, as you mentioned, Claire, get into some festivals. We were very well received, um, and we did win some awards. As we went along, I started to focus more on who is our audience, military and women. So we were asked to... Um, enter the Rocky Mountain Women's Film Festival because I'm a woman, you have a female director, and you have women who are the, as you would call, stars of the film. We did win that, and unlike most festivals, they flew us in. Most festivals were not. So when you go to festivals, you have a lot of expenses most of the time. You have travel. Um, They will probably give you tickets to see films if you're Lucky they will put you up in a hotel or at least get you a discount, um, and that with your submission fee. So festivals can be very expensive. It's really fun to go, but you have to keep that in mind. And also, many of the larger films are looking for distributors when they go to festivals. Right. And that doesn't happen very often. That's like the lightning strikes, right? Right. If you win an award, you can use that to maybe try to sell it, but it's difficult to to get buyers. Um, what would we do differently? That's my own question. Besides focusing on festivals, I would have sold the film directly from my website. I would not have started those sales until I had done more outreach and was able to um, show the film directly through us. Probably the second year or or after six months, I would offer it um, through our website for sale. But that's Mm -hmm. another thing. You have to be prepared to follow tax laws and state laws and all of that for those sales. I I didn't feel like I had the wherewithal or the patience to learn. Does that make sense? Yes. I have <laughs> I feel as though we've been more successful this way. Mhm. I I can't say that more. And then offering it as an educational tool. Right. I mean, our film came out in 2017. We were we were actually um, applying to festivals while I was in the Edit Bay in post. Mm-hmm. Great. So we were working on that. Now we're three years out. Wow. Three years out. Well, uh, and, and Broderick has been a good uh, mentor. Are you still using him? No, um, you know, it was a toss-up. Um, 
I felt I couldn't afford him. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I shouldn't have been penny wise and pound foolish. I should have been penny wise and pound, whatever the saying is. <laughs> right. Um, another good resource for women is a group called Film Fatals, and they have grown. I don't know how fast. They have chapters all over the world now, and they have, because of their strength and their numbers, they have created what they call a parity pipeline. And um, you can give a film you're working on or just completed or maybe in process, um, ask, give them the information. They will put it on the parity pipeline, and they have many, many um, distributors, um, studios, other groups looking at that. Because since we've been out, there has been much more focus on getting more women involved in filmmaking. Actually, women have always been involved in filmmaking, as you know, but to turn around and recognize that and to give them the opportunity. So that's the goal of Film Fatals. And they have been really helpful also because they are able to get discounts for film festivals. They're able to get discounts for submission to workshops. They meet monthly. This is all of their chapters. Um, They try to meet monthly. Um, Here in L.A., they have speakers on different topics. And at the beginning of every meeting, they go through the audience. You tell them what you're working on where you're at, and then you, you're you able to get a lot of information that way and also network with other women. Um, it's really, really important to network with other people like you. Yes. And you Very know that. Important. Right. Um, sometimes I have felt a little bit like an outsider, because I did spend so many years working in the news the news side of things. And mm-hmm. these usually are women who've always worked in documentaries. So I felt a little uncomfortable. But as my husband keeps telling me, he goes, hey, you've made a film. You belong there just as much as anyone else. And I sort, of have to, I have to sort of kick myself and remind myself of that. And other filmmakers need to do that. If it's your first film or you've only done a short, so no, I don't want to say sorry. If what you've done so far is a short or maybe a couple of shorts, and by the way, shorts are getting a lot more attention now, um, you need to have confidence in yourself. That's something that's always a problem for me. That's mm-hmm. where humility <laughs> kind of can be a bad thing. But... Um, you need to have confidence in yourself. And that also goes to when we were doing fundraising. And I still need to be doing fundraising. It's always like that. It's not going to stop the fundraising side. I don't think it's going to stop until they close the caskets, you know, because it's always something that you need as a filmmaker. Right. And Currently, we're looking at the film. Okay, I told you we released in 2017, and we're looking at how some of, so I mean, you, the lives and the stories had changed with the women we were talking to and having our film. I remember at one point we were about two years in, and we thought, okay, we're going to go into post, 
and things started changing so dramatically. I spoke with you, and you said, you got to keep going. you got to right. follow the story. And f- coming from a news background, I knew that. So we did that, and we were in production for five years. And that doesn't include the time that I was researching ahead of time. So now we've been out two and a half years, and more things have happened with the people in the film. How do I update that? We've been tossing around ideas. Do I come back and credits, redo the credits, and come up with you know, a graphic for each person, a photo as a graphic, and, and then some copy that says, okay, now this has happened, or they're currently, or whatever. And move. So, but the problem with that is I'm going to have to redo the way the credits are going. I'm going to have to work with someone who's in motion graphics. I'm going to have to work with a post com- post-production company. We have to go through all of that. Um, and that's the least expensive way to do it when you think about it. I'm not going to go back and re-edit the film. I can't. No, no. You don't want to do that. But can you make a, a short, a two-minute short that with the updates and screen that immediately after um, rather than go through the re-edit of the end of the film? Because we all want to know what's happening now. Or maybe that's part of the Q&A, so you want to know what's happening now. Here's a two-minute update. And then I'll take questions or something like that. It's always in the Q&A, um, yeah. which is really helpful. And maybe we do it that way and just leave it that way because it gives us more to talk. I'm sort of thinking on my feet now. It gives yeah. us more to talk about. If I do it and we put it in the film, what do people have to ask about it? You know, I could start and ask whoever is running the discussion Ask them, you know, can you give me a couple minutes or that be your first question? Do something like that. And this is when I'm with the film. I'm not always with the film. The groups can be so small that they can't afford to bring me out. And I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm being rude or whatever. I can't afford to fly. As I said before, I can't afford to do it. I do have to supplement many, many times. And that's another area where we would need to do some fundraising. But you're right. Um, doing a short right afterwards, I don't know. Maybe we just, maybe when we send the film out and I'm not there, we put something in the discussion guide. Because we do always, um, we've created a discussion guide. Yeah. Whenever someone confirms that they're going to use the film, whether I'm coming or not. We send a discussion guide, which is rather informative because what we look at is, um, okay, they probably don't remember everything about the film, so we have to put some cues in there for the host. Right. You know? Right. So, you, you know, you would say, Lindsay, whose husband had no legs, you know, whatever. Right. Uh-huh. Um, they do some cues. They do a little refresher for themselves, and then we do suggested questions. Um, and everyone gets that, whether I'm going to be there or not. The other thing is we send them a social media guide. So, And, this, and some of it's social media 101 for dummies, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but 
because a lot of you know the universities they have their own PR, but we say okay, um, this is these are our tags. We um, give us your information and your links. We want to put that on our website. We want to be putting things on our Facebook page. Um, we want to create events on our Facebook page. We want to promote this. We want to promote you. I encourage them to create their own hashtags for the event. We yes. work together sometimes. And, you know, I'll send, well, what about this, this, this? You know, I'll give them a couple ideas. And then sure enough, they're using those hashtags, and we're seeing it on Instagram and on Twitter, and we're using them, and we're responding to their posts on Instagram and Twitter. So it goes both ways, and we're working the social media aspect. So that goes out to them. And also, we send suggestions for local media contact. So say it's a group that really has never worked with the TV and radio stations in town. We give them information and suggestions of how to do that outreach. So the updates again. Right. I don't know. I have to think about that a little bit. Maybe it's another thing for us to talk about. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, um, I want you to share some of your rules that you have created for outreach. And I noticed your latest rule is to try to have additional meetings whenever you travel, uh, be it business or pleasure. So tell us about that. You know, I I think we've learned that the best way to communicate with someone is face-to-face. So I try to set up those kinds of meetings. Um, you know, this comes from way back when mm-hmm. my kids were in junior high or high school. And anywhere we went, if there was a university, I said, let's go tour. Let's go take a look. So this would be if there was someone I was communicating with, I'll say, hey, I'm going to be in Nashville these three dates. I know you're really busy. Can I step in, meet you, shake your hand, say hi? And then it rolls from there. I tell them the same thing. I say, look, we'd love to come here. Um, there are a couple ways you can do it. We can send you the film and you can run it. In in your community, at your university, I would suggest, and this is kind of across the board, partnering with another university. Because then I say to them, this way, you can share the costs. Wow, that's a great costs, idea. The screening costs. And that's exactly what happened at University of Maryland. I was also talking about to George Washington University, both in the Washington, D.C. area. They knew each other. Of course, these guys from the Student Veterans Resource Centers knew each other. They're doing mm-hmm. the same things. They're already networking. And, and as much as I would have liked to have two screenings, they said, let's have one. And, and put our resources together and advertise them and promote on both campuses and do it that way. And then they split the costs. That's so brilliant. So I, I do that. You know, I'll, I'll suggest that, um, partnering with other areas in the community. And maybe they'll start saying, well, and it'll put their thinking caps on. Okay, so face-to-face. And I try to do that. And if I'm on vacation, do you think I want to work? No. 
No, but you do. But I, in the long run, okay, I'm taking an hour out of my time. Right. right. Mm-hmm. If I'm already in a city like Washington D.C. doing screenings, I might have lunch with someone. I might say, "Hey, can I come by your office?" I might do different things. If they're not available, but they'd really like to meet, um, then I have someone I can follow up with. You know, That's I follow wonderful. up. La- I follow up later on. But it's that personal, that personal concern. I want to meet you. Can I stop by? I mean, how can you say no when someone wants to come meet you? That is a gift. That's an honor. So that is a wonderful way to expand the people you know in this industry. It's wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Something else. Yes. Tell me more. Look. Okay. Your friends. My friends have heard me talk about the film ad nauseum, okay? They have heard me, oh, I can't believe this, I can't believe that. They have heard me say, hey, this is cool. You know, they they know this is what I've been doing for years, right? Um, and those friends have, if they're, especially if they're good friends, they're thinking about me and what I've been doing. And sometimes things will make the strangest connections that way. So here's a funny story. Actually, it's a good story. A very close friend of mine who lives in New Jersey, who I've known since college, was actually helping me a little bit as a sounding board on the film because she's not a military caregiver, but her husband is quadriplegic. So she and I would talk a lot about that, among other things. And she was playing, she was in a pickleball league. I don't play pickleball. It's a thing. People play it, and it's really gaining in popularity. So a woman who had just moved to her area and joined the pickleball team was someone who works in the veteran space. She has two college degrees from universities in the Washington area. She was really interested in the film. My girlfriend really didn't spend much time giving her the big sell, She just said, hey, there's this movie, and I think you might be interested. So we connected via email. I sent her a link to the film, a screening version of the film. She was really excited, and she's really well connected. She was the one who got us connected with the Dixon Center. She was the one who connected us with the uh, University of Maryland and George Washington University. What she did is she emailed people she knew, And they said, okay, we're going to loop in the groups that we think want to see this film in our university population. She, and and then it kind of, as you said, domino effect. So the Dixon Center is connecting us with people and also other universities. Other places um, where we've already been, I'll call them up, say, hey, who else do you think might be interested in? You know. <laughs> exactly. Well, of course we that's do that. great. But, you know, think about who your friends are. Where are they at? Where did they go to school? Do they still have contacts there? Where are they in the community? Um, in my community, you know, I had some leads from people. A mother who's who was with my kids 
who knows my kids since grade school. Her daughter went to my to school with my son. She is, is in a position in the community where she could give me a referral. Well, that's turning into um, a screening in March. Uh-huh. Great. But don't forget your resources who helped you with the film, the people you went to for information. And here's one other story. Do you mind? One, one other story. Do we have time? Yes, 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 we do. Okay. We have like three minutes. So like I want to hear it. Okay. Operation Caregiver is an organization very active, especially in Texas, um, and they helped me with identifying people for the film. Um, they're great. They are part of their main organization is based with the Rosalind Carter Center for Caregiving in America, uh, Georgia, where she, where Mrs. Carter and former President Carter um, live. They live in Plains, which is just outside of America. But she has an institute that's part of um, Southwestern Georgia State University. I think that's what it's called. It's a lot to remember. So Operation Caregiver contacted us through, or the Rosalind Carter Institute contacted us because of that association and said, hey, we have um, a summit every year. We'd like you to come. The first time they invited us was when we were in production. They like us. They wanted us to come just as guests. We said, unfortunately, we don't have the funding or the time right now to come to Georgia. And they said, and we graciously, you know, said, turned it down. They didn't really want the film. They just wanted us to come. Um, the next year, we went back to them, and we said, hey, our film is finished. Would you like us to screen at your summit? Well, they did. We were the key. We were the kickoff, and one of the people, a woman who was there, who actually received an award, was so excited about the film. She was in Kansas City. She asked us to come that January. We screened in October, so I was in Kansas City in November, in January. Thank you very much. But <laughs> we were really happy to go. She's had a couple more screenings in Kansas City, so. Here is the big part of the story. She's been such, she's been so excited about the film for her group, Caregivers on the Home Front, and their goal is to create um, respite weekends where they invite caregivers to come and spend the weekend with them to have some time for respite and also to get more information about what it's like to be a military caregiver. It's been so successful for her that she made an application for a grant to the Missouri Humanities Council, which is also part of the U.S. National Humanities Council. She won the grant. She calls me while I'm on vacation and said, Stephanie, I have this grant for $10,000 to show your film all across the state of Missouri. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So not oh, and this is specifically to show the film and have panels, specifically mm-hmm. for that. So um, every time she has a screening, we of course put it on our website with caregivers on the home front logo, Missouri Humanities Council logo, and we have a blurb that we say the screening was made possible by, and then it goes, you know, that way. 
So she How just started marvelous. doing it's marvelous. And so and she's I don't know where she has all this energy. So the two conferences that she is lining up for St. Louis are part of that. One of them, I think she got a separate grant just to go to that conference. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. So there will be screenings all across the state of Missouri. She wants to bring us in sometimes, and I have said to her, I am so happy to come in. I said, but I want to see you be able to use that $10,000 as much as you can and to take it as far as you can. So, hey, do your screenings. You know, bill me, or I will bill her directly. She pays me directly out of her organization, and it goes that way. Sometimes I'll come and be part of the panel. Sometimes I won't. But the cool thing is she has so many contacts in the state of Missouri, she can put together a panel herself. Right. Well, this is brilliant. So it's all about every lead, every person you talk to when you were making the film, go back and talk to now because you're in a much better position. You've got to finish film. So help me. What can we do with this? And even, even those people who donated to your film may have ideas for helping you distribute it. Well done. Oh, my gosh, our time just flew by, and that's what always happens when we talk together. I always had so much fun with you. I've missed our conversation. But thank you for sharing all this. I speak for all the filmmakers who need to hear your passion, your commitment for your film, and I thank you very much for what you've done with this film to raise the consciousness about wars and the aftermath. Thank you very, very much, Carol. And, you know, one more thing. We have to look at what's going on in the world and where your film fits in that with your outreach. I need to take a step back now that we are sending troops again to Iraq. Are we going to be a distraction? Does, you know, how much do people want to see our film in this instance? And we will probably change the way we if you will, pitch the film because of that. Yes, right. Well done. It's always changing. Everything keeps changing. All right. Thank you so much. And, Claire, thank you for hosting. We appreciate you. And, (laughs) Stephanie, let us catch up with you in another six or eight months and see where you are because you're really moving forward with this, doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Carol. You're welcome. Okay. Take care. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. 
If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's david, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.